Hey, Andrew. Yes, Ryan. You want to play a shitty casual fighting game with me? No. What if it has lots of tits? I'm sold. Welcome to the Explosion of Happiness podcast, episode number 53. It is October 5th, 2016, and it's time to be happy and talk about video games. I am your host, Ryan. And if you've listened to this podcast or any of our podcasts, sincerely thank you. Hey, Ryan, where can they find our podcast? You can find our podcast at explosionofhappiness.com, iTunes, or YouTube. That'll be it. Until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, now the podcast's over. Why don't we just talk some shit about video games? Yeah, sure. Uh, have you been playing anything? As a proud owner of PlayStation Plus, I downloaded and played the Resident Evil 7 demo. Oh, nice. How was it? First thing worth mentioning is that it was called Resident Evil 7 The First Hour, and the first hour of that game only took me about 20 minutes to beat. So, in that sense, I was a little uh, surprised. But, uh... I'm uh, I'm a little skeptical of it. The visuals are very impressive, very atmospheric, very creepy. I was unsettled. I felt scared. It achieved that. But um, basically, the thing I've been holding above this game ever since its announcement, the fact that I want it to still be a good game is what I'm a little worried about. Because it very much was just a very slow, plodding walk through a hallway, peek around a corner, walk through the room to the next room kind of thing. You pick up things, you pick up keys, you pick up items... There is an inventory where you can, you know, combine and examine items like you've always been able to do in good Resident Evil games. So I still have a little bit of hope. What really rubbed me wrong was just how slow the character moves. It was very cutscene heavy. Mm -hmm. It was very much sit down and watch this thing happen in front of you. Okay, now move over here and interact with the thing. But, you know, it's just the very beginning of the game. So who's to say, I don't know who the fuck it is or what the fuck it is, but there's basically an Alma look alike in this game that just kind of appeared and disappeared on a staircase and the second i saw that i'm like well great that's going to be a heart attack in the making i don't doubt that the game will be scary it, it seems like it will be i just i'm continuously worried that it's gonna try too hard to be pt which I'll, I'll say it wasn't as scary as pt it wasn't as visually immersive as pt but it was a pretty good you know substitute for a game in that style that's not going to be enough a full game of that is not going to be enough and in the demo, the point was not getting across whether it's going to be like that or not. My plan is to wait for this game to fully come out and read things about it, read its length, read its replay value. Because if the game's going to scare the shit out of me, that's fine. It doesn't take much to do that to me because I'm a giant pussy. But I want to also have fun. And if the demo is representative of the whole game, I don't think the game is going to be that much fun. See, the one thing everybody always compares this stuff to is PT because PT is such a minimalist i was gonna say unattainable fantasy it was almost to pt's credit that all the drama surrounding it happened did happen because it just kind of immortalized pt uh but part of remembering pt is you have to remember that like it really didn't have much gameplay it had some puzzles and the last puzzle was kind of like almost like an arpg you know where you had to interact with the community to solve it because it required if i remember right like 12 different languages so Hideo well, wanted people to go online and work together to solve that final puzzle. I never wanted Silent Hills to be just PT the full game. I always assumed PT was its own thing, and Silent Hills was going to be a much bigger game on top of that. Like, they were just trying to get the point across how scary, scary it was going scary, to be. Yeah. And but it was still going to be a game. It was still going to have gameplay. Yeah. And I can uh, appreciate that. So what I'm saying is Resident Evil 7 so far, they've showed that it's a pretty fair substitute for the type of experience PT was, but they haven't proven to me that it's going to be a good game on top of that, like Silent Hills hopefully would have been. To me, a scary video game needs something 
to make you actually want to keep playing it. Just being scary for scary sake alone isn't enough. It either needs a really good story or good gameplay. Most don't really have that good of gameplay, except some of the Resident Evil games do, the earlier ones at least. Most of them, though, they're usually like they're somewhat intrigued by the story. Like, I remember that was a big reason why I played Amnesia was because I was intrigued at first by the story. It seemed really interesting, and I wanted to know more. And the gameplay was there, but it was scary as fucking hell until I got towards the end of the game. Did it have any story hints to it at all? Oh, yeah. It introduced the scenario you'll find yourself in the game to be, which is that you're in this cabin in the woods or something, and a bunch of crazy fucking cannibal people are living there, and there's a bunch of fucked up shit in this house. And I'll say it felt really weird. I had to keep reminding myself, this is a Resident Evil game. Holy shit. Because Resident Evil has always had that really over-the-top B-horror movie style to it. And Resident Evil 7 was much more of like a paranormal activity sort of feel to it. And I wonder if it's even going to reference Umbrella or the characters from Resident Evil at all, or if it, maybe it'll just be an Easter egg. But I'll remember one of the things that made PT so effective at being scary was because you're in that, you know, average middle American household that just looked very familiar. And in Resident Evil 7, you're far away from real living society. Like you're out in the middle of nowhere. You're in some mountain. So I guess there's a little bit of the Blair Witch Project in there. I think that's probably more fitting than paranormal activity. But I'm just saying it felt so like gritty and realistic compared to what Resident Evil has always been. And I wonder how over the top Resident Evil 7 will actually get. I'm just hoping there's some surprises in there. I hope what the demo showcased isn't going to just be the entire game. I hope there's going to be at some point you get a fucking flamethrower or something and just start burning down shit. I don't know. That'd be cool. Maybe like you try be- to escape into the woods and all of a sudden giant spiders, but you have a flamethrower and you're like spraying and screaming at the same time. Yeah, I, I hope there's yeah. more than just walking away from things and hiding. Yeah, because that was a big turnoff for me in that one game that we hate. Outlast. Out, thank you, Outlast. Because yeah. at first, like the very, very start of Outlast, when you're like breaking into the place, that's creepy. They did a really good job setting the atmosphere up and I'm intrigued of what's going on. But then very quickly, the game became not scary and the story became stupid and there was absolutely zero gameplay. So, and it's weird. I hear Outlast praised all the fucking time and I always go, why? Why do people like this game? It is an example of what not to do in a horror game, I think, because it is so not good. And it gets irritating as you go on. Right. The stupid being chased by the giant naked man and it's just like, oh, all you have to do is juke him or go through terrain that he can't go through. I'm, I'm so spooked. Regardless of how the combat ends up, one thing I, I can't say for Resident Evil 7 is that there's an opportunity to give the game lots of secrets through the puzzles and the inventory that the game obviously shows. Like, there's an opportunity to have lots of different places to explore. I noticed in the demo, basically there's three rooms that it takes place in. Well, there's the room you wake up, then there's a hallway that leads to the kitchen, then there's the kitchen, and then there's the hallway that leads to the exit. At no point do you actually run into a person that you have to hide from. You do see a guy walk past one of the doorways towards the end, but I never bumped into him. However, there was a staircase that leads up to a second floor that I did not go into because I'll admit I was scared shitless. I just wanted to get through it, but I will probably start the demo back up again and see if there actually is something up there because maybe, you know, it was only 20 minutes to me because I missed a whole chunk of it. But from just going point A to B to get through it, it didn't take that long. So I guess if they're going to skimp out of the combat, I just hope that there's a lot of secrets to find in Resident Evil 7. So I'm going to continue to be cautiously optimistic. After the demo, I'm more cautious than optimistic, but 
there's still hope. I think it'll still be a good game. However, it turns out it just might not live up to what people want out of a mainline Resident Evil title. I guarantee no matter how successful this game is, no matter how good it is, people are going to be very disappointed with it that have played the entire series. The good news is the Resident Evil 2 remake is for sure happening. Oh, that's good. I'm really looking forward to that. They're completely remaking the game from the ground up, like new assets, everything. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, most people consider the first Resident Evil games remake to be the best Resident Evil ever made. So they have the opportunity to make the Resident Evil game everybody actually wants or that I want. So knowing that, I'm willing to you know, forgive whatever Resident Evil 7 is lacking in, knowing that the real Resident Evil experience is coming. But I still want Resident Evil 7 to be good. I want them to make a comeback from Resident Evil 6. I want Capcom in general just to be able to make a comeback from all the brilliant decisions they've been making over the years. Yes. You know, like sweet PC releases, starting a much fan-requested sequel and then dumping it and blaming the fans for, you know, everything. And please, Capcom, be good again. I also played a game called Journey. Journey. You Is know that what, the... It's the PlayStation 3 game. Yeah, with like the sand cloak guy or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. like built as more of an experience than a game. Right, yeah. I have to say Journey is the rare exception where that's actually a very fitting description and it's a fair game. I really like Journey. I didn't think I was going to. Gameplay-wise, you just basically walk forward, you jump, you can hit the circle button, which makes your character make a little chirping sound, which you use to interact with things. There's very light puzzles, but for the most part, you're just moving forward in this really nice-looking environment. But what made Journey really good to me was there was a multiplayer element to it that I knew that there was going to be going in. I just didn't know like what it was really. I didn't know like what kind of multiplayer it was. I just knew it had like a very passive multiplayer as they call it, where you just run into other players anonymously that come and go. And in journey, the first early areas of it, I was noticing other players. I just didn't know they were other players. I thought they were illusions or something or apparitions that are like mirages. Cause you're in a desert and they were either running away from me or just standing still. But as I got farther into the game, I ran into another player who was walking towards the staircase, and then I chirped at him, and then he turned around and started running up to me, and we just kind of ran around each other in circles, and it was kind of funny. My wife was watching this. I was like, oh, it's another person, ha, 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 and you know, we're jumping around each other, doing that whole thing. I'm like, okay, now let's move forward. I wonder if this guy will you know, leave me behind, or I'll leave him behind, or we'll just walk off. The two of us ended up beating the game together. Oh, cool. It was kind of amazing. Early on, as we were working together, it was kind of like, oh, this guy again. Huh, that's funny. Oh, it's my friend again. Ha ha. By the end of the game, what you're doing is you're going up this snowy mountain in the middle of a blizzard, and you have to, like, hide behind these pillars while the wind is blowing. Otherwise, you get blown down the mountain. And every time one of us would get blown down the mountain, the other would come running to help. And it was like there was, like, this real feeling of camaraderie. Like, there was, like, this bonding experience there with this other player I know nothing about. And it was kind of this really magical experience, even though the game itself was really simple. I I really respected what Journey was trying to do. And yeah, once you beat the game, and spoiler for a four-year-old game or whatever, once you beat the game, it does give you a list of the names of all the other players you were uh, playing with, and some of them had some really amusing names. Wow! Way to ruin it for me. Jesus. I know. It it sounds cheesy, but it's really one of those things you just got to play and find out for yourself. I don't want to, like, oversell it. Because, you know, I read a lot of things about Journey, how it's like this total pretentious piece of shit. It's not actually a game. And it's not, you know, if you want to say, well, it's a co-op game that's still just a really shitty game. That's fair. But what was really fascinating about it was how the actions you could make were so limited. The way you would basically communicate to your partner or the other person you were journeying with 
was very amusing. And the way you, you kind of, I almost felt like I was starting to learn this other player's personality a bit. Like I could tell he was probably younger than me. And I, I was in fact right because his name was something, something 1994. He kept like running ahead of me and getting hit by things that I would notice were coming. And then he would immediately start following me as I was like trying to go around to things. So I almost felt kind of like the older brother in this situation, sort of. We're like walking down a tunnel towards the end, like making progress. And at this point, we were like good old friends. And I was like mashing the the circle button to make my character like, you know, chirp, 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 chirp. And then he started mashing the button back. It was almost like we were singing a victory march or something. So Journey offered a very unique experience in that sense. A type of multiplayer experience I'd never felt before. You could, in theory, play games like Left 4 Dead and anonymously meet people and then get the same sort of bond. But Journey was crafted to specifically deliver that to you, whereas you don't know anything about this person you're playing with. Maybe they'll leave you behind. Maybe they'll follow you. Maybe you'll follow them. Maybe they'll help you. Maybe they'll screw you over. Who knows? But most of the time, you're most likely just at some point going to end up with somebody and work together and become friends, knowing nothing about them. And then when the game ends, you'll be like, farewell, my friend. I'll always remember you. The game is beautiful also. For a simple game, it looks fucking gorgeous. Yeah, art direction, I think, has way more to do with how good a game looks than, you know, fidelity. But yeah, I wonder if anybody's ever beaten the game and like one person had a really like racist name and then the other person had like a really racial name. And they were oh. like, oh, this guy, I, I played the entire game with a black person. Ugh. Play the entire game with a racist? What the fuck? Or maybe it changed some minds and it brought the world closer together. Oh, when he was chirping at me, what he was trying to say is I hate black people. <laughs> I thought he was saying, <laughs> or, I thought he I thought he was complimenting me. We need to make a vi- fucking YouTube video of that. It has that chirping. And then be like, wait, what was that? And like slow it down and everything. Yeah. If you listen closely, you can hear Hitler was right. Sure. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. I also say uh, just one last thing for Journey is the it was such a short game. It's like a two hour long game. It was the rare game that actually handled trophies really well because it suggested a bunch of secret areas or secret things that I didn't know about that made me want to go back and replay it. So I did. I went back and replayed the game and I actually 100 presented it within the same day. But like I said, how I was bumping into players early on, didn't know they were players. It's because they were just sitting on the ground and not moving. What I didn't realize is they were trying to earn a trophy where you sit down with another player for 20 seconds straight. So they wanted mm-hmm. me to sit down with them, and I just ran past them, and they're probably like, oh, fuck you too, asshole. When I played through the game a second time, I found somebody doing it, and I sat down with them, and I'm like, okay, there, we helped each other. It's a cool game. Journey was cool. If you have PlayStation Plus and you got it and never played it, play it. I recommend everyone give Journey a try, and if you hate it, you hate it. That's fine. But this has come from me, who usually hates games like these anyway. So, yeah. Anything you want to add? I've never played it. Oh, you should. I mean, you should have gotten PlayStation Plus and, and got but uh, I'll, just, I'll just come over to your house and save myself 15 bucks because it doesn't sound too long. Uh, uh, it's kind of more of like a, you know, something you want to play on your own. Like, like I said, I played it. That with costs my, money. Uh, I don't have PlayStation Plus either, so. Oh, well, oh, okay. That's fine. I'll just, I'll, dude, I'll, I just, I'll just go over to your place and I'll treat it like home. I'll take my pants off and everything. Okay. I'll start yelling at you to make me a sandwich. Journey will end up becoming like some horrific experience where you're just like beating up the other player the whole time because mm-hmm. you're so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking when I was playing, I'm like, what if this other person I'm playing with is actually somebody I knew, like a friend I used to have from like years ago? How fucking crazy would that be? If, or like, coworker I'm... you fucking hate. Yeah, I know. See, you begin to wonder all these things. Your imagination kind of goes wild. That's why I say it deserves the title of being an experience because it let my imagination flow and made me wonder all these things about friendship and myself 
in the world. Ten out of ten. Game of the year. I like Journey. I like thing. I like to like things. I got to like a thing. I like to think, Andrew. What the fuck's wrong with you? I don't know. I, I kind of like being wrong, though. When was the last time you liked something? I like Final Fantasy XIV. When was the last time you liked something that was not Final Fantasy XIV? Because um, that's... that's the, you really are completely fucking addicted to it like a heroin addict. I know. I, I like Deus Ex. I really like Deus Ex. I just can't play it. <laughs> the one... Because every time I go to... I was so looking forward to Deus Ex, and it came out, and I played it. I'm like, yeah, this is fun. And then I immediately went back to playing Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, God, help me. My life is out of control. Funny enough, you know, when I finished Mankind Divided on this podcast, I always said, like, you know, it's a good game. It's a solid game. I wouldn't say it's a great game. I wouldn't say it's game of the year. It's a good game, though. I'm actually thinking back on that and thinking... Actually, this probably is my game of the year because I haven't beaten any other game that I really liked this year. I, I was thinking Hitman was maybe a little better than Deus Ex, but I never bought more than the first episode and I never even 100%ed the first episode. So I guess Mankind Divided is kind of it so far for this entire year. You liked Dark Souls 3, though. Oh, uh, Dark Souls 3 is great. I can't wait for the DLC. Dark Souls 3 was actually good enough to pull me away. Yeah, you actually from, beat it. You know, yeah. Whereas it was the same situation for me as you and Deus Ex. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, that DLC comes out later this month. Actually, there's a lot of games coming out this month. I just looked at the list. You got uh, Mafia 3, Gears of War 4, the DLC for Dark Souls, Battlefield 1. God, just, and then there's just a whole bunch of smaller titles. It's just like a whole fucking page of them. And uh, none of which I'm going to play. Yep, pretty much. Yep. That's what we do on this video game podcast. We talk about games we're never going to play. And then when a video game we do play comes out, we don't play it. Right. we're terrible people. Oh, Dragon Ball Z Universe 2 comes out this month. Oh, my God. I totally doubt I'll care. Like, if it comes out and it gets, like, like, they fix everything, it's a good game now, I might get it, but eh. It's going to take a lot more than that for me because Xenoverse 1 got so much praise. You got to be extra skeptical now because games like Destiny and Xenoverse can get decently good reviews and then you play them and you're like, well... This is a giant pile of shit. How to get reviewed so well. You got to read the meta within the reviews to understand whether it's actually just a piece of shit that's really pretty so everyone liked it or it's an actual just honestly got a piece of shit. A lot of times games like that, reviews like that, they'll make excuses. Like, it's this and you know, that's kind of lame, but it's okay because it's Dragon Ball Z. It's more of an experience than a game. Oh, shit. Speaking of reviews, I found a PlayStation VR review thread. That just kind of is kind of compiling things from a Games Radar, Game Informer, IGN UK, Kotaku. Just what they say about the game. Uh, it's getting okay to good reviews. The one that I find funny is like I didn't even read the review, but from PlayStation Universe, they gave it a nine point oh. Because what, what, what game is this? The PlayStation game? VR. Oh, just the VR set. Just the VR set in general. Because you know PlayStation Universe reviewing something for the PlayStation is totally unbiased you know playstation magazine has always been the worst for like in terms of like biased reviews they've always given uncharted kill zone everything 10 out of 10s every single time even like when the game gets mediocre reviews by everyone else they'll still give it a 10 out of 10 they're not even afraid to hide their bias wait what website is this playstation universe playstation universe i've never heard of them i i, I think i don't i don't know a lot about them from my understanding i, I think they're not directly affiliated with sony but if you're still going to name yourself after PlayStation, it's kind of showing your bias right there. 
If I remember right, too, I think they gave No Man's Sky a very favorable review. You know, on that subject, I've been playing No Man's Sky a little bit for the last what? couple of weekends. Yeah, I know. Crazy. I, I actually think that game was getting slammed a little too hard. As, like, something I have picked up every weekend and played for, like, a few hours just to relax, it's actually been pretty all right. I've gotten far enough towards the center of the galaxy that I am finding some extraordinarily beautiful planets. And that's really what the whole experience is to me at this point, is just touring and looking at pretty things. I found a desert planet that I named Planet Hell because it reminded me of this planet from Star Trek Voyager, which was just, like, constantly on fire. And it's pretty cool. But uh, no, I'm not saying it's a good game. I'm not saying it, it deserved to get good praise. I'm just saying now that the hype and the butt hurt has died down a bit, like, No Man's Sky might actually be one of the better remembered games for me this year. It's... <laughs> Everything it's, it is what I expected it to be, and I always expected it to be okay at what it was supposed to do, which is pretty much like you said. You go in it, and you look around, and you go, oh, neat. And you don't really think about what you're doing too much. But at the same time, I totally get why people were upset due to the marketing campaign, and they just bought it all and believed in it, and they got burned because of it. Sean Moore and Hello Games totally deserve to get their shit pushed in for leading people along. Like, exactly. They should have just told people up front, look, this is much more of just a visual walk in the woods sort of experience. If you're coming to this, expecting it to be the last game you ever play, you're going to be disappointed. He should have been really upfront about that. Then I would have been behind all that. But the game itself, I still enjoy it for what is there. I just, it's just weird because every time I drop it, I'm like, yep, this is it. I'm done. But then every weekend I'll just be sitting on my couch at like four in the morning being like, uh, I don't know what to do. I'll just put on a fucking stream of something or listen to a podcast and play No Man's Sky. That sounds like relaxing fun. And it always is. It was also fun to hook up the in-house streaming thing to my Xperia smartphone and play that in bed. Yeah. I played San Andreas in bed, too. I got to say, that's actually one thing the PlayStation has over a PC is the in-home streaming. Like, I know Steam has in-home streaming, but it's kind of shit. And PlayStation's in-home streaming actually worked pretty well. I think I've actually maxed out the size of my inventory, as in, like, how big I can make my player inventory in No Man's Sky. I'm currently trying to get the biggest ship I can, so I'm wondering once I've maxed out those little RPG things because those are kind of that's kind of the breadcrumb trail to get you to go from planet to planet is to make yourself slightly better and find better tech. But I wonder what's going to happen once I've maxed all those stats out and all I have to do is really just wander because I really do want to get to the center of the galaxy, not because I care what's at the center. I know it's at the center. I want to explore the areas around the center because I figure that's going to be where most players have discovered shit. That's going to be like the populated area. And then further from there is going to be the unknown territory. I like that aspect. Like, I'm trying to get a little bit closer to home every week. It's like watching an episode of Star Trek Voyager every week, except it's not as shitty. No Man's Sky is a better experience than watching Star Trek Voyager. Come at me. <laughs> except you do know a multiplayer isn't real, right? I know, I you know. You don't see other players. I know, I know. You can I just know. see what they... Okay. They said that maybe they'll fix that. I don't think they will. This procedurally generated universe that they've created, it's one fixed universe. It may have just been one algorithm that created this whole galaxy and randomly generated it, but it's still one fixed universe. And I feel like there's some value in exploring the pieces of this universe and seeing what's out there and knowing that this planet will always be here. I can tell people about it or I can go seek out other planets people have found. Uh, I kind of like that. I like the idea that it is an actual galaxy. It's not just one endlessly. You do know it's actually, I think it's 21 galaxies. Well, I know that when you beat the game it like implies that you create a new galaxy. It just like zooms all the way out and it puts you in a new galaxy or something okay. like that. Well, okay, so then it's exactly the ending I predicted the game was going to be before the like, game it, came you out. Get, you get absolutely nothing. All it does is it zooms 
out and it keeps zooming out and zooming out like it's building up to something and then you just start on yeah. another new planet. Uh, I think that's fucking lame. And a, a guy used a trainer and after he did it like 21 times, it would just crash. Oh, okay, so they know there's exactly 21 galaxies. All right. Yeah. I don't really care what updates they add to this game, but I wonder if maybe they'll add some sort of way to get around a galaxy faster, go back to planets you discovered. I'm wondering if maybe that's what they mean by the base building aspect, is that it'll actually create like a portal that'll let you come back to your base whenever you want or something, even if you're on the underside of the galaxy. That might be kind of neat. I fully understand why everyone hates this game so much. I just, I hated it a lot less, and it's starting to grow on me. It's scratching an inch that nothing else seems to be right now. When I'm done getting screamed at over Counter-Strike Go, I'll just go to No Man's Sky and be like, oh, there's no screaming children here. This is nice. <laughs> that is like the two polar opposites right there. Yeah, it is. The worst of both worlds. Mm-hmm. How is CSGO going for you anyway? It's almost over. I, will I, you, just, I, I can't will you wait. ever play it again? I like the passes that they come out with. They do this thing that's basically like a biannual pass where you pay $5 and you get access to like a map pack that's only temporary for like half a year. But there's little campaign missions and challenges that come with it. You can play and you can unlock rewards. You get a badge that you can change from bronze to silver to gold, depending on how much you do. And it's fun to just get new content and play it for a little bit. And I don't mind the fact that you're only paying for temporary maps because there's always new ones. But the thing is, it's been like three months since the last one ended. So I've just been stuck on the same two active duty playlist and the reserve duty playlist. And I'm just getting so tired of playing the same maps with the same people so much that it's just like, I can't continuously keep playing this game. If the updates are going to be this irregular, because all the other updates are just, here's new skins. I might pick up Counter-Strike Go here and there, but I'm actually looking forward to playing Unreal Tournament more. I've been playing that a little bit this last week too. It's really fun. There's barely anyone playing it, but I think the new Unreal Tournament is going to be a really good game when it's finished. As long as they don't add any stupid cosmetic shit to it. You know, what I'm going to do with that. The whole point of the game is to sell the engine to people, and they're saying that the game itself will never be hindered by microtransactions, but, you know, who knows? If it goes... Every every game needs hats. I'm just wondering if they'll bring it to Steam, because they really have no reason to, if it's just going to be a gigantic tech demo for their engine. But I hope it does come to Steam, and I hope it does get a player base, and by the time it does, I'll be good at it, so I'll just stomp all the kitties that go to it, trying to shit it up with their stupid fucking memes. It's free to play. (laughs) I love memes. I hate you. Anyone can play Unreal Tournament. It's free to, it's free to play. You, Give it a try. Why? What? How can you not love? Oh, wait. Okay. Uh, I normally don't like talking about politics on this podcast because politics are fucking retarded and stupid. And if you're retarded, I apologize because politics are even dumber than you are. That was really mean. I, I said that while I'm being recorded. Yes. Uh, thank God nobody listens to this podcast. Where are you going to talk about the controversy of weaponized memes? I was going to talk about the controversy of uh, I, 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 Peppy the I, Frog. Peppy the Frog, yes. It's the dumbest fucking thing I've it's ever read in the dumbest, news. I know. That stupid fucking meme has been around for almost a decade. And they're acting like it's a white nationalist supremacist <laughs> symbol. Are you fucking kidding me? It's so ridiculous. I can't <laughs> wait for the older generations oh older than us to fucking die off so this stupid bullshit will stop. Oh my god. Except that our generation is going to do just equally dumb stuff. It's never going to end. I just can't wait for November to come so this time it can end for now. And I can have three more years of peace and no more of this. Peppy, who is a sad suicidal frog that's known for peeing in a goddamn bush and saying it feels good, man. (laughs) Somehow it's being used by the alt-right. I've I've never seen a single Peppy meme, Pepe meme, push Uh. 
freaking racism or nationalism or white power. Yet all of a sudden on fucking Hillary Clinton's website, it's like people are using this meme to represent Donald Trump. And so, but you just so you know, it's a racist meme. I'm like, no, it's not. I see the meme used for suicide all the time. And I laugh at it because I'm sad and pathetic. Well, I see it all the time, but that's because I go to the fun places on the web. But anyway, you got to wonder if every like presidential election or every election in general is just going to be run like this now. It's just going to be a bunch of screaming kids posting memes back and forth. Probably. And eventually, within like 20 years of actual elections, the, the candidates themselves are just going to be like having banners behind them of memes. Like, my memes are better than your memes, bro. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. You can get paid by Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or probably even Gary Johnson or Jill Stein. I'm sure all four of them are paying people to go and shit post on the internet. Well, it's I want that job. I'll shit post for Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton is factually paying people to create memes for her. Yes, so is Trump, too. They both are. No, he's not paying people to do it. They're just doing it. There's people... Okay, there's no proof that Donald Trump himself is paying people to shit post, but there are people, there are groups that you can donate money to that are paying people to shit post for Donald Trump. So I don't know who's paying who to shit post. I just know Hillary Clinton has a PR campaign that has people hiring specifically to create funny internet memes to put on Facebook. Like there's an actual HR department for that. Yeah. The, the, the means for Donald Trump is what started the whole thing. And then they started firing back with this. It's a shit show, whatever way you want to look at it. And I don't really care, but I'll happily just watch everyone get offended and butthurt over every little thing that happens. Cause it's fucking hilarious. I, I just want to, I hate I hate all four of them I fucking hate all four of our goddamn choices and I hate every single last one of them well as long as you hate everyone equally no one should have a problem with you that's true you're, you're all about equality I just want somebody to run on a platform of everybody just mail Andrew one dollar oh yeah if everybody in America sent me one dollar I'd never have to work ever again and then I could shit post on this podcast 24 7 the podcast itself is a shit post though that is true. So it's like a meta commentary. Didn't we pitch the idea of make America naked again a few weeks ago? Yeah. I think we should run for president. We should. Collectively. We'd probably win. Our memes are stronger. We understand witty <laughs> internet banter. We're hollow inside, so when, your shitty memes have no effect on us. When our rival candidates makes attacks towards us, we just make epic YouTube roasting videos. Or we shout literally a lot. And say that we're losing faith in humanity a lot. <laughs> oh, God, stop. And post really annoying title cards in between points that has like dubstep blasting for like half a second. And then makes everyone go, oh, what was that? I don't know. Super random funny. <laughs> and then we can have, you know, like a bunch of jump cuts showing different images and that are like terrible to look at. And then between each one go, Bwom. What, Bwom. If a, what if a presidential campaign in the future is PewDiePie versus Leafy is here? Is there any method to kill ourselves fast enough that would be suitable for that scenario? See, the thing is, like, I could kill just myself really fast in that scenario. I don't know. I'd feel bad, though. I'd want to take out everybody with me. Yeah. So we, we well, have to come up with a, with a safe have, humanity from itself plan. You'll have my help. I'll cooperate one way or the other. I'm just saying YouTubers will be running the future pretty soon if the right things are going with Google. Or, I don't know, maybe if Google wants to continue to fuck YouTube in the ground, then maybe that'll blow over and... Actually, you know what? It wouldn't matter because if Leafy is here one, if that other guy, whatever the fuck his name is, wins, as soon as they take office, all of a sudden fucking Putin would just be paratrooping in, riding a bear, and he'd be like, this is this is Russia now. Yeah. And everybody would be like, oh, it's like the funny picture, epic. And then they all get shot. Cool. <sighs> I want to make a totalitarian state where memes are illegal and punishable by death. 
And you know what? I will be in the opposition. I will be an underground, you know, internet cafes, shit posting. That sounds cool. Row, row, fight the power. <laughs> what is this podcast? This is a political discussion that you started. <laughs> that I'm very carefully wording everything I say about. I know, right? Uh, this is probably why we shouldn't be allowed to vote. If, if if we had if we had listeners right now, we would be losing every single one of them. <laughs> Even though we haven't said anything staunchly in any stance of anything in particular, not having a stance is just enough to offend most people now. I, I've noticed that if you don't have a stance, it's basically like you're a, a blank palette for people to impose that, oh, he's against me. Oh, you just he, don't understand. He probably need, supports Hillary Trump. You need to get woke. I needed to bombard you with facts. Can we talk about video games again? Sure. Okay. Dead or Alive 5 is free to play on Steam now. I'm thinking about playing it. That's been, the, is that the fighting one or the volleyball one? It's the fighting one. Eh, I'll play it. I liked Dead or Alive 4. And like for the fighting game, community hates Dead or Alive because it's super casual, but that's kind of why I like it. It's just stupid fun with really sexy ladies. Right now, the opposite of that is kind of Street Fighter Five. I hear a lot of people say it's like, you gotta be really fucking precise with the timing and shit. That sounds like stabbing yourself in the balls repeatedly to play that. That just doesn't, I, it just doesn't sound like fun. Every, no matter what way you look at Street Fighter Five, it does not sound like a fun game. Like even if you really care about the competitive aspect to it, just everything surrounding it just sounds like fucking torture. Yeah, combined with the really shitty release. Ooh, god, these are sexy ladies. Uh, combined with the really shitty release, and then like the fucking DLC that they have and everything. On top of just making it not casual friendly at all. Like, it's okay to have a high skill ceiling, but having a high skill floor is not good. Especially in a fighting game, which already has a really high skill floor, and a lot of people don't want to play it. All right, let's... let's I have let's, no idea where I was trying to go with that point. Let's re- I think you're trying to tie into the conversation we had earlier today about how what I said was that... Well, let's go back in time a year. There was a game called Halo 5 that came out, and I praised it because the game was really marketing towards its competitive audience and was kind of giving the finger to the casual fans who just want to play and have fun for a week and then leave. But Halo 5 has almost no one playing it now, and it has taught me that a game can't just be fully casual and a game can't just be fully competitive if you want to have a lasting audience. You need to have both. You need to make it fun and casual for people to want to get into it and just have fun as they're learning the game. And then it needs to be competitive to keep people playing it in the long run. But if you don't have both, you're either never going to get people to play the game or people aren't going to play it for that long at all. Right. It's like Halo 5 versus Battlefront. Yeah, exactly. That's the perfect... Con- yes, exactly. Exactly. A good example is Smash Brothers. I think Smash Brothers has a really, like, you can play with items on, and it's really easy to execute all the basic moves and knock people out. It's a really easy concept to understand. Yes. Versus, you know, most fighters where you have to memorize certain key presses and everything. So it's casual. So people play it because of that, and it's bright and colorful, so it draws them in. But then it actually does have a high skill ceiling, so people want to keep playing and want to keep getting better. When your friends beat you, you're like, I got to practice so I can beat my friends and tell them to suck my nuts next time we play. <laughs> Precisely. I mean, I say it, I say it in a joking matter because I know people will get butt hurt, but I legitimately think Smash Brothers might be the best fighting game for kind of that reason. In the year 2016, it is. I would definitely vote that it is because even if you want to argue Mortal Kombat X, which I think was pretty well received, there's a circumstance of all the cash shop shit surrounding it and the poor support on PC and the DLC and <sighs> Smash Brothers is just pure from all that. I liked Dead or Alive 4 on the Xbox 360. I played that a little bit. I never got super into it, but I thought it was a fun game. And even friends of mine who did not like fighting games thought it looked pretty fun. And I'm sure if you really like fighting games, you'll hate Dead or Alive because they'll seem to be the people who hate Dead or Alive. 
Uh, I was interested in Dead or Alive 5 because of that. I never got it. And uh, from what I hear, there's like over $1,000 worth of DLC in the game right now. Or I think that might have been in euros. I don't know. But wow. the game, let's say if you bought it at full retail price, you've got like a fraction of all the... It's all costumes. It's all cosmetic stuff. But the prices for these things are absolutely outrageous. I was just scrolling through it on the Steam store. Uh, like, let's see here. The uh, fun theme set is fifty four ninety nine. The Halloween debut what costume the set fuck sixty four ninety nine. The variety costume set seventy four ninety nine. It goes on and on and on. So, what the it's free? free but it's <sighs> now it's what it, the free to play option is. It just comes with the four playable characters, and if you get on it right now, you get a fifth character until the end of October, and then you can either buy each character individually for four dollars, or you can just buy the full game for forty. But then there's still all this downloadable content that's just costumes and stuff, which is just, I'm looking. It's I'm insane. looking at some of the costumes too, and the, some of the costumes are really sexy. But it costs you seventy five bucks to get ten sexy bunny costumes. Yeah. And it's absurd. And a bunch of other, yeah. And from what I hear, the PC port itself is also not that great. The online functionality is really shoddy. And not, I, I hear, I, this game, I hear there's some. Oh, you don't have to pay for that. You can try it. I'm gonna play it just to try it out. I think it says all the game modes come with the free to play option. I'm guessing each character just has their own story mode or something. But I'll get to try it out. If I like it, I buy it. But the thing is, if I decide I like it, I might not even get the PC port. Even though you know you can you can mod the game so that they get naked and stuff, but other than that, oh wait, I'm playing the game again. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like you can have the game. Same for three, four, five. You can get the game with mod support, or you can make the characters nude, or you can get the solid, well supported version on the console. <laughs> so it's like uh, nude. It's, duh. It's, you know what? You're right. I'll never be good at fighting games. I'll embrace what I'm good at, which is being a misogynist and proud. Yeah, the reviews for this game are not good. I can't customize keyboard layout. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, yeah, I love crappy PC ports. When you got this much DLC behind it, it just seems like a obvious money scheme. Talking of schemes, do you want to hear the only other story I brought to this podcast? Sure. So there is a game coming out next month called Call of Duty Infinite Warfare that has uh, had a bit of a shitty reputation ever since its debut it's been getting the shit kicked out of it on youtube and everywhere universally hated by its fans for everything it represents which is ironic because i think it looks like a good game but that's probably because i like fun things and call of duty fans don't like fun things so fuck me but there is another title coming out called call of duty modern warfare remastered and the call of duty audience was very excited to play it and we're seeing it as the real call of duty game to come out this year it was announced as a pre-order bonus at first only and it was widely expected to just be coming out on its own maybe 2 months after infinite warfare's release however activision has confirmed that in order to play modern warfare remaster you will need the infinite warfare disc or oh, nice you, or you will need to own it digitally it seems like the vast majority of people who pre-ordered infinite warfare we're planning to just install the game, download Modern Warfare Remastered, and then sell the game back to GameSpot and get their money back as much as they could, at least. <laughs> and now they can't do that, so they're fucking furious. They're pissed that they got outmaneuvered. Yeah, and this is mind-blowing to me. How insanely determined Activision seems to be to make everyone hate them and not want to give this new game a chance. Because if I was running Activision, how I would have marketed these new Call of Duty games is... 
show the trailer for Modern Warfare Remastered because fans have been demanding boots on the ground, which I think is fucking lame, but that's what the fans want. So we're going back to the roots of this game that everybody loved. Here it is. Get hyped. And then at E3, show that demonstration they had that impressed you and I. And then people who were excited for Modern Warfare Remastered can either be like, eh, I don't care, or they'll be like, you know what, that looks really cool too. I'll get both of these games. And then sell them both separately. However, they have decided to try to shove Infinite Warfare down everybody's throats just to get to Modern Warfare Remastered. And it's caused a lot of revulsion and disgust towards Activision and Infinity Ward, unfortunately, who I don't think had anything to do with this. And the whole thing is just sad because I think both games actually look good. I was planning to get both as long as they're not broken on launch. And I was kind of hoping this new Infinite Warfare would have been a nice, fresh take on the Call of Duty series that would have made me kind of get me back into the series a little bit. But the way Activision is handling this, they've ensured that by next year, I don't know how many people are still going to be rooting for them or Call of Duty. The only thing that could bounce this series back on track after Activision fucking it into the ground is Battlefield 1 coming out and being a fucking disaster. It's going to be. I but people so won't too. care. It's going to be, but I really think people won't care. People will eat that shit up anyway. Yeah. It's annoying because we went through this like four years ago when Battlefield 3 came out. It was, oh, fuck Call of Duty. And then Battlefield 3 was actually just as dirty as Call of Duty. And it was really obvious that they were going to whore out that series just as bad as Activision's whoring out Call of Duty. But people still have this stupid fucking tribalistic mentality. I've read a comment saying, I'm so sick of all the DLC and the Call of Duty games. I'm joining Battlefield this year around. And like... Have fun with the battle packs where you can buy everything in the first fucking minute of the game, you dipshit. God, first-person shooter fans of the modern era are the absolute dumbest fucking people who call themselves gamers. I'm not the kind of person who gets defensive over what's a gamer, what's not a gamer. I'm a gamer, you're a ga- I just... People who call themselves gamer and play nothing but Battlefield and Call of Duty are just absolutely fucking retarded, and I hate them so much. They make it difficult for me to say that I actually enjoy Call of Duty. It's something that I lie to myself about and say, I hate Call of Duty. I've always hated it. I only played it because my friends do. But the reality is, I look back on it, it was such a phenomenon back in 2007 through 2009. I had like 10 to 15 friends playing it. Every time I turned on my Xbox, friends were playing Call of Duty. I'd hop on, I'd play with them. It was always a good time. It was actually a really significant part of my life that I try to downplay all the time because, you know, anyone who likes Call of Duty is a casual and a piece of shit. It's a good, fun, dumb game. And it has a place. But thanks to its audience, thanks to YouTube's culture, thanks to Activision's marketing, it's all going to go to shit now. So, woohoo. Rest in peace, COD. Battlefield 1, game of the decade for sure. Ugh. Are you sad now? No. I'm still looking forward to the game. I didn't realize how much I'm actually hoping that Call of Duty could be good again. Like, for them to come out and actually release a game that makes everyone go, wow, holy shit, a Call of Duty game is actually a really good game that people should play and I should play with my friends. This is probably the last opportunity that'll happen. My feelings towards Call of Duty are so weird. I feel affection for the series. I just, I hate everything it's become. I hate the people who play it. I hate the way Activision's marketed it. I hate everything else. But that experience I had with all my friends in the last decade, it was a good one. And the game was fun and addictive. And it was simple. And yes, it's not Counter-Strike Go. But that's why you can go play Counter-Strike Go. And I don't understand why the modern Call of Duty fans want this series to be competitive because it just seems like the absolute fucking dumbest series to try to make competitive. Call of Duty was perfect at being casual fun that can also actually offer a little bit of competition in the long run. Like we were saying, 
but now it's trying to pander to the esports crowd, and that's why I fell off with it. It's just not a competitive game. Never was, never will be, and the fans are demanding that, and I hate them so much for that. They're bringing back the Tactical Nuke. Do you know what that is? Probably not. No. Modern Warfare 2 had a Tactical Nuke where if you got 25 kills without dying, it would end the game. In your, nice. In your team's favor. It was funny. It was awesome. I had friends who were so good at the game, they would always get it, and it was always really great. Whenever you would activate it, there'd be a countdown timer from 10 seconds with a nuclear symbol and it'd make the nuclear alarm sound and it'd give the other team 10 seconds to scream and go, Oh fuck, we're screwed. And they pulled that out from following call of duties. Cause it was so unbalanced. Like what game do you think you're playing? You idiots. It's not like there's other games out there. You can play that would be competitive, but our esports for life. That's what it's all about now. Andrew. Aren't you yeah, dude, if you're not on Twitch, you nothing. Yeah. Check out my stats. I always love, uh, in Final Fantasy XIV, because that's the only game I play now, so that's the only way I can relate to things. Occasionally, when I check people's like search comments or something, they'll have like their Twitch stream. Available. Oh yeah, I know. Even if they're completely total shit players and fucking up all the time, and then I like when I see those, I always go to their channel to see how many viewers they're having and if they're actually streaming themselves being really shitty at the game. Sadly, they never are because I totally go in there and start shit posting. After playing Counter Strike for a year, if I pick up the new call of duties and go back to those. I can't tell you just the feeling of arousal. I'm already feeling knowing how I'm just going to tear through every single pretentious Twitch streamer. I come across. It feels so good to wipe the floor of people who are streaming. Yeah, it does. And then you try to put the thought out of your mind, but they're just making a joke of everything. And on their end, they're like laughing and trying to talk shit about it and just make them eat shit. Kill them. Kill all the Twitch streamers. We need to start a new movement. You know the best way to get ground for this movement so people would, like, watch us and stuff is to stream it on Twitch. Oh, God. Oh, um, well, no. I'm going to go to Hitbox, the superior streaming site that also bans everything that Twitch does. But because it's not as popular, it's definitely better, and I can feel better for using it. Same with Google. Yeah. I am superior. Where's the one I can stream hatred on? Uh, I think both of them, actually. I think you can do that in YouTube Live. But All right. I don't know. Hitbox is against, you know, porn games and stuff because they're fucking lame like oh, that. come on. Can we just have a goddamn stream site where everything is fair game? Why not? Yeah, dude. Like, like just, just be like, you have to be 18 plus to watch this shit. Like, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Hollywood wouldn't be okay with people streaming movies and stuff, but just hire a really good legal team and just fight it and, you know. The Pirate Bay, they should open up a streaming site. Is the Pirate Bay still around? Do they all get arrested again? They keep going down and going up and then going down and going up. I never know whether all these torrent sites are just getting their shit pushed in and then they come back resurrected. And then they get pulled down again. It's like, I, I can never keep up with this shit. What's going on? What is happening to the internet? I love to stream porn games. Me too. Oh, if I was an attractive female, that's what I would do. Oh yeah. I'd stream porn games while I wear next to nothing, but you know, whatever. I'm not an attractive female. Instead, I'm an average looking male. If you identify as one though, that's all that matters. Oh dude, you're right. Perfect. I just got to keep growing out my hair. And then when people make fun of you for it, you just got to make yourself into a huge victim, open a Patreon, get in touch with everyone running Kotaku and all those sites and talk about, just show them the Uh, screenshots of all the people being mean to you. And then everyone will flock to you. And every week we just get more and more offensive. I don't care. (laughs) Sorry, Nate. I hope you're not mad at us. Sorry that I still haven't played party hard. I know you're probably disappointed every week that I don't talk about that, but. I just haven't. It hasn't it looks been. Fun. It's on my wish list. It's cheap. I'm sure. It was like 15 bucks, I think. It's $13 and it goes on sale a lot, so I'll just wait. 
I also have badass babes on my wish list. Sweet. Now that's a fighting game right there. <laughs> that is a fighting game. Fuck dead or Fuck alive. Yeah. <laughs> I love how the girl's name is just Asia. <laughs> oh. God, I'm looking at the screens again. This game of the year. I love it. I suddenly feel so dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> make call of duty great again hashtag oh that's actually a real hashtag did you know that no after the that's last amazing. after the first presidential debate i was just going through the shit fest on twitter and i saw there's there was hashtag make cod great again someone was like no one talked about the real issues what is going to be done about call of duty <laughs> and there's a whole movement for it i was like holy shit Make video games great again. Make gaming great again. Make the internet great again. Put me in charge of all of it. And I'll just kill everyone I disagree with, and then everything will be great. And uh, to facilitate this, I have my new chairman of shitposting, Ryan. Yes. There will be a tax hike in order to supply this new government program of shitposting classes. It's an important thing. It's how debates are going to be won in the future. So, Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a shit posting should be a required uh, middle school class. I agree. You remember in school when teachers would tell you never put any personal information at all online? Yeah. Yeah. And now everyone just fucking posts everything about their life on Facebook like goddamn idiots. I've seen the SJWs will fucking criticize you for having an avatar like the ones we have and not having our full identities out there and having, you know, basically an alias. People will condemn you and mock you for that. Like, oh, you're hiding something. You're obviously a bad person because you don't post your fucking personal information on the Internet like a goddamn fucking moron. Be like the rest of us morons. You don't want to be weird, do you? I hate it so much. You know what's fun is like all that stuff they tell you to never give out to anybody. As soon as you apply for a loan, they were like, okay, all that information, you're supposed to give it to us. <laughs> so yeah. oh, the so lender You've got person, to go through that now? Yeah. The lender person could totally just like be like, all right, my new name is Andrew. And I'd be like, yeah, I guess you are. You have my social security number, my last three months or last month of uh, pay stubs and all this other information I sent you. I wonder how long it's going to be until... Signing up for websites requires you to enter in your social security. Oh, my God. <laughs> because right now you can I immediately tell when there's a scam. When like They start with your email, then they ask for your phone number, then they ask for your credit card information. If you get to that point, you're a fucking idiot. If you want to sign up for the new uh, Facebook whatever app, you got to enter in your social security. It's government mandated. That way we can find all the mean people and throw you behind bars. <laughs> We're going to open up shit posting prisons where people shit post too much. Yeah, yeah shit posting will be a federal crime pretty soon. <laughs> God damn it. The future's looking bright. I hope everyone's enjoyed their explosion of happiness for the week. What have we become? My sweetest friend. <laughs> you are someone else. I am still right here. Then now I have to make that the outro. So <laughs> it's happening. Would you like the original Nine Inch Nails versions or the Johnny Cash version? Nine Inch Nails, man. Okay, sounds good. The oh, super crazy. emo version. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Don't get me wrong, Johnny Cash's version is sweet too, but I, I still prefer the the original. I, well, I love I love that 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 uh, the original is actually making sort of a comeback on the radio because started like last year I think they'll play it every now and then. Whereas uh, so before it was always the Johnny Cash version. They must obviously cut off like the intro and the outro because it's such a long song. It is, it is. Yeah, they, I, I mean they do, but um, I still love what happened today where I turned on this <laughs> I, when I was driving to work. 
I made a right turn, and as soon as I made that right turn to get on the street where our work is located, the cover song of uh, Sound of Silence started playing. So I make that turn, and all of a sudden it's just like, Hello, darkness, my old friend. I'm like, oh, shit. That's, and that, this, is, this is a fucking omen, isn't it? I pulled into the parking lot while you were just sitting in your car listening to this song. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, is this really happening right now? How perfect. <laughs> it was such a magical moment. You didn't even notice me at first. You were just staring off into space. I'm like, I think Andrew's contemplating suicide right now. <laughs> That's my secret. I'm always contemplating suicide. Well, I mean, that moment, I thought, like, oh my god, something is actually going <laughs> like, to happen. You see me, like, reach down, and I pull up a gun. I was always like, I should probably just go and leave him alone. I don't know if he's going <laughs> to actually do something fucked up in a second. <laughs> now I got to one-up you. I got to find an even more emo song and just pull up next to you. Wake me up inside. I can't wake up. <laughs> Save me. Uh, well, uh, maybe we should wrap it up on this high note. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, we should probably apologize because you're now offended. Either that or you just really like emo songs like we do. Or you've just realized how soulless you are as us and you should probably get in contact with us. Leave a comment. Shoot me a message over Twitter or something. I don't really give a shit. Email us. We'll bring you on the podcast. We're, we're so fucking just in the gutter right now. <laughs> I don't care if you want to be like, hey, I want to talk about how the Holocaust ever happened. Be like, sure, come on in. It's just... As long as you, as long as you read it back to video gaming, dude, it's all okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know there was an aborted game about being an SS officer managing concentration camps? <laughs> I so did I. It actually sounded like a really interesting concept. Like it wasn't, you know, meant to glorify it or anything. It was meant to be kind of, you know, like a game in the vein of like Papers Please and stuff. But I guess it got canceled. Would it be like one of those games, like um, Gone Home, where you just like you start no. off and you're doing what you're told, but you don't really know what you're doing? And no, at the it, end, it no, it would have been more like a Sid Meier game, like an actual tycoon uh, game, where you're okay. actually managing a bunch of things, and that sounded really intense. Like, you're actually building the gas chambers and deciding the quotas of people who get sent to them and stuff. It sounded like a really fucked up, crazy, unique kind of game, but obviously, you know, that would have that would have uh, caused some people to bleed out their vaginas a bit, so I had to cancel that. I don't remember who was making it. I think it was some indie game. It was, it was brought up at some PAX panel back when PAX was cool. It was called, like, Games That Never Were or something like that. I don't know. Well, anyway... This has been the Explosion of Happiness! Yay! Like I said, you can find us on explosionofhappiness.com, iTunes, or YouTube. Yep. And until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. I'm really impressed that we've gone like 53, 54 weeks and we've never missed a week. So am I. We're, we are very, um, every, every week when I ask you is today a good day, I expect you to say, I don't really want to do this anymore. That hasn't happened yet. I've been thinking that for the last like 15 weeks, but then I say, eh, fuck it. (laughs) Let's keep shit posting. I'm the one who does all the work. You have nothing to do except just talk about video games for an hour or not video games for an hour. So (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and somehow, I'm even doing less work than I was doing before. Because before, I'd feel obligated to play other video games. <laughs> and now I'm just like, no, nah, I need to keep playing 14. I'm pretty addicted to that. Yeah, I guess I guess now's a good time to apologize in advance. We won't be doing our Dead Space 2 special for Halloween because that would be too much work on Andrew. So... <laughs> I guess audio features are in the dirt. I don't know when our Mac I Divided feature will be. Then again, I don't know when our Dark Souls 3 feature will be either because I never finished that. So we just keep not finishing games. We should make like a new audio feature thing where we just talk about games we didn't finish and why. How about you just start playing 14 and then we can do weekly audio features on what we're doing in that. We should make a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about not video games. We talk about not video games already, but then we talk even less about video games in our secondary podcast. <laughs> we'll just call it like rolling around in the mud weekly. <laughs> no, but see, the thing, I think if we made a podcast where we didn't talk about video games, all we would do is talk about video games. Yeah. So we need to make a porn podcast where we're talking about video games. So in our video band game podcast, we can keep talking about porn. Right. Totally. <laughs> There's uh, too much porn to talk about, though. There's We could do one podcast every single day. We'd never be able to keep up with it. That's true. I don't want anything with a dick taking anything up its ass. Hey, Ryan. Yes, Andrew. Did you see the amazing news that broke this week? Uh, sure. Yeah, I, I, I totally did, too. I definitely read the news. I read the news, yeah. I always keep up to date doing a podcast weekly. We gotta be, mm-hmm. we gotta keep up with it. Definitely. Why would anyone want to listen to a podcast about video games where we don't keep up with video game news? You know what? I I think everybody's kept up with this news. So what we should probably do is not patronize our audience. I think we just shouldn't talk about the news this week. Good idea. You know what? Keeping up to date with current events, that's too mainstream. (laughs) Let's go against the curb. 